welcome to Movie Fools with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How are you doing this week, Bill? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, not a lot going on. Uh, a couple things. I went down to Alton, Illinois for the inaugural uh, Glory Pro Wrestling Promotions first show. Uh, that was being run by Michael Elgin, who is a prominent professional wrestler in North America and in Japan. Uh, that was a very fun show. It was in a Knights of Columbus Hall. A good crowd, about 350 people there. All very lively, no one really annoying. Uh, a couple people tried to do annoying, stupid stuff, and everyone uh, rightfully shut them down and made fun of them. Oh, good. Which was great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I got some sick front row seats for that. Uh, that was good. Good time. It was really fun for a show. I was of all like a lot of the local indie shows I've been to that were not Shimmer. Uh, this was definitely one of the best ones I've ever gone to because it went. It started right on time. <laughs> it ended pretty much when it said it was going to end. It was not dead. It went through just fine. Nice, well paced, good matches, everything else. I've been to some shows where it was like an hour long uh, mess of just hey, who has the chain? Keep the chain mm-hmm. away. Oh, don't let the ref see the chain. And I was, I wanted to die. I was like, why am I watching this? Why is this happening right in front of me right now? I'm I'm at a loss. Uh, but it was not bad. It was a very brisk three-hour show that was just snappy on it, on point. A+, plus, loved it all around. Good good matches, everything else. Uh, New York Toy Fair was also this past weekend. Uh, did you pay attention to any of that, Steve? Not much. Like, I saw a couple pieces, but I, I for some reason I found that finding news on this year's one was a little bit lighter or a little bit harder to find than previous years, so I just didn't put in the effort. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I couldn't find as much stuff. I did get to see the uh, visual representation of Ares from Wonder Woman, and he looks fucking hype. Yeah, I'm, I think it's pretty sick. I, I saw some people getting kind of mad about the cow skull situation there going on, but... Yeah, whatever. I think it looks fine. It looks cool to me. It looks cool to me, too. Yeah, that uh, it's weird. What's really weird is that Wonder Festival was going on in Japan this weekend as well. <laughs> so it was just like tons of news on both fronts. But when it came to like New York Toy Fair, I think you're kind of right. It does seem like there was a little light on stuff. I didn't see a lot of things that blew everyone away because mm-hmm. like they didn't really see any new Star Wars stuff. I mean, like uh, the Hasbro side for their Marvel Legends, that was like a mountain of new stuff there. So that was pretty exciting. But Playmates didn't have a ton of stuff. Bandai of America just basically showed out they're finally making uh, six and a half inch uh, Dragon Ball Z figures at retail. Oh boy. For that $20 price point. Which uh, the first and second wave already has two different Vegetas and two different Gokus, so I'm sure that that is going to bode very well. Very well. For the uh, longevity and character selection of that line. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you know, you know, Ninja Turtle stuff like usual, Star Wars stuff like usual. Not, you know, so good. So, not a lot of uh, DC stuff from Mattel. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Masters Universe fan, there was a good good handful of stuff presented by Super 7 who take who have taken over the Masters license from Mattel to produce figures. Uh, a lot of cool stuff from them all around, like between them, their reaction figures, their muscle style figures. A lot of cool stuff coming out of there. And uh, beyond that, I don't think there was anything like major, like, wow, so check that out. It was just a lot of just more kind of things we, we expected. I think the coolest thing for a lot of people is that uh, at Toys R Us, there's going to be a six-figure uh, uh, Marvel Legends set that's all female characters. Cool. A lot of people are pretty excited about that. I bet that'll sell really well. Uh, yeah, I think the, pro- the problem with that is, obviously, collectors and people like me will buy it, mm-hmm. but I think it's six figures, so it'll probably be $120, so the right. like, average person isn't going to buy it. But considering they'll probably only get like six of them per store, they'll probably sell out. Mm-hmm. So, 
But it's a cool set, especially for me. Uh, it comes with Monica Rambeau and Elsa Bloodstone, who are two members of Next Wave. Uh, so now we're just waiting on the captain and Boom Boom. We could have the entire team for that. That is even, pretty cool. They even made a when they made a Nick Fury figure last year. They gave him a Dirk Anger head, so there is a Dirk Anger figure. Fantastic. <laughs> That's pretty great. But I, I highly doubt they'll ever make a uh, Captain figure. Well, maybe one day. Maybe. So right now we're we just need Overdrive to complete the superior uh, uh, foes of Spider Man team. Oh, yeah. Fuck yes, superior foes of Spider Man, please. Just waiting on Overdrive because the shocker they made was specifically. Designed after Shocker from that series, so mm-hmm. we have because we have so we have everyone there. We just need Overdrive. That's the one I'm waiting on. So we'll see how that goes. I still have an incomplete uh, Wrecking Crew team because of how Hasbro's handling stuff about three years ago. I don't have a Thunderball. I probably will never have a Thunderball because I'm not spending seventy to eighty dollars for a Thunderball. Good job, Hasbro. So I have uh, I have three members of the Wrecking Crew, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Oh, what about Absorbing Man? Uh, I'm working on... Absorbing Man was, made, was a build-a-figure, so I have some parts of him. I just have not got around to buying the rest. If they made Titania, I would finish him, but as of right now, they have not made Titania. And Titania does not look to be on the horizon. Fuck. But they have some... They have some, they have some recent female figures they made had, like, characters like, really, like, jacked six-pack abs and stuff. So, I mean, they have... They're getting all the pieces together to make a really good Titania figure. Mm-hmm. They just have not done it yet. I'm hoping, actually, since there's going to be a uh, North, new Thor film this year, and another wave of Thor Marvel Legends figures, which they showed off the Jane Foster Thor figure for that, I'm hoping that they can put Titania in that line. That'd be cool. I yeah, can see them doing she, that. She could kind of fit in there well enough. Especially because mm-hmm. of the whole, when Jane Foster Thor showed up, and Zorbman and Titania and all that. Uh, cancer-filled garbage, but I mean, there's at least a connection there. So if they they can maybe fit, you know, Titania in that way, I will not complain if I can get a Titania figure. Mm-hmm. So, oh, uh, that's about it for New York Toy Fair. Uh, it came went came by like like a snap, like so fast, it was crazy. But snippy snap. On to other things, uh, like you, Steve. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Uh, moving into my new house. Oh, whoa. Mr. Mr. Moneybags over here with his house talk. Fucking millennial over here actually owning a home. What the fuck is what? wrong with me? Jesus, you're supposed to live in fear and subjugation and debt. Well, I still am. Especially, the, have, especially the third one. Now you just have a giant anchor called a house. Giant anchor. <laughs> um, but that's going. We only have, we're only we doing the big move on Saturday. Tonight is Wednesday. We're doing the big move on Saturday, so we're trying to get like all the painting and stuff done up until then, which gives us like two nights, because Friday night we actually have to finish packing the rest of the shit in our current home, which 95% of it is done, but there's still that 5%. Yep. Um, this house is dirty as fuck. <laughs> um, like, uh, the house overall is in good condition, don't get me wrong. Like, the roof is new, the windows are newer, you know, like nothing's broken, nothing's falling apart. It's in good condition. But it seems like these motherfuckers never clean their house. I'm fucking, I'm wiping down the windows in the living room and the paper towel is pitch black. And it's just like, this shouldn't be happening. This color should not be this bad. The The hand railing should not be sticky. The floor should not feel so disgusting that I refuse to take off my shoes and only walk around here in socks. So I need to fix that problem tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, it sounds like a, something you should fix. Oh, it's it's gross, but it's you don't want to move into a death house. No, no, fucking the one of the fucking cabinets just had a bunch of toothpicks in it because you know, fuck it, just leave that there. 
Not our problem. <laughs> oh, we're moving out. They already bought it. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> Perfect. The backyard still has like a like everywhere there. You'll find tiny little pieces of toys that came from the daughters that were living in this house that they just left left behind forever. Ah, <laughs> oh, that that um, that's a dream. Oh, it's a dream. I watched this film the other day. It reminds me a lot of you, Steve. It's called The Money Pit, uh, starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you should take a look at that. Uh, I'll take a look at it. Okay. Fortunately, it's not a money pit, at least so far. Like I so said, the, ho- the house is in good quality. The floors are good. The walls are good. I mean, we're cleaning the walls because they're also dirty. Of course. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> why wouldn't they be? Uh, but, you know, roof is new. Uh, hot water tank's new. Uh, furnace is not new, but it's only like, uh, it's less than 10 years old. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you can have a furnace that's 30 years old. As as exactly. That's what I'm I saying. Just, I just change that filter and you'll burn your house down. Pretty, and pretty good. trust me, we will be changing the filter often because my wife is allergic to my cat. And so we got to keep on making sure we got a fresh allergen filter in there probably every other day, according to her. <laughs> Uh, damn cat, so Got cute. So fucking cute, I'm looking at her right now. Hey cutie, your little box, your little cat face, all oh, your stretching. Oh, there's a big yawn. You want to be on the podcast? Want to be on the podcast? Can the, okay, this episode's about Gizmo Cat and how cute she is. Uh, Bill, why is Gizmo Cat so cute? Uh, she's like a dog. That is an actual statement. That is a factual statement, not an actual statement. It also is, but I meant to say it's factual. Yeah, we don't deal in alternative facts here, only the straight facts. No fake news in here. Fucking CNN would tell you Gizmo Cat is not the cutest cat in the world. What I wish was fake news is this news about Donald Glover being cast as Simba in The Lion King. Okay. And He's James Earl Jones is kind of, is going to return and come back, you know, as uh, Mufasa. Why? Why just it? have the same people? Why is this movie existing? I don't, I'm just... Oh, it's a live-action remake of The Lion King. Last time I checked, there's no humans in The Lion King. It's an animated remake of an animated movie. Yeah, CG film remake of a beautifully animated... I, I don't care for The Lion King as a story, as a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the film is gorgeous. It's a very beautifully animated film, and uh, we're just going to make a CG remake. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Can't wait. I, don't, I just don't understand it. I don't know I, what gets me... Uh, I understand, I'll say, I mean, I'm not, this isn't, you know, judging, because obviously my wife wants to see it, and her, you know, my, some of my female friends want to see it, and there's obviously some nostalgia going for it, but I don't understand why Beauty and the Beast is getting a pass. Mm-hmm. We live in this culture where everyone hates unnecessary remakes and all this other shit, but I don't see anybody talking about Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. No one's giving that movie shit, even though a bunch of other movies have been sh- like, given shit. Yeah, like, clearly, like, obviously, like, some of our friends, like, people we know are giving shit to, like, that Lion King and stuff, but as, like, as a whole, whenever it's, like, everyone's freaking about the raid getting a remake and all this other stuff, which rightfully so, that doesn't need to exist, but I don't see nearly as many people going on about Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Which, it's just absurd. I just don't know why it gets a free pass. You could, it, I don't, you make it, uh, clearly they already did, and they are, and they're gonna make money on stuff, but it's just, I don't know why, that no one gives them time of day about it. Stuff, beef, but I, I'm so sick and tired of seeing dog lover and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were. It's funny. I realized this the other day. Everyone was so worried about Chris Pratt being Indiana Jones and being Ghostbusters, being all this stuff, that we missed the fact that Donald Glover was taking over entertainment. Right. Everyone was. Uh, everyone was too distracted by Chris Pratt and his charming smile that we didn't see the true enemy. 
Well, not not enemy. It's not yeah, like I, I, you know, whoever. Should, He's just in everything. Yeah, you shouldn't use enemy. That someone might misconstrue that. I mean, I just mean those people. Oh no! Actors that keep on popping up for no reason. <laughs> yes, that is what we're talking about. But I agree. I just. I like him, but he's. I just feel like he's a meme casting at, 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 at anymore. Yeah, serious. That's that's the best way to put it. Like he's fine. I like him, but it does feel like whenever he's casted, it is a it's a meme cast. Like him as him as Lando was the biggest mm. of everybody. Anyone you can cast as Lando had to be Don Glover. Now, granted, I think not he'll one be of fine. the other thousands of black actors that actually look exactly like you know Billy D. But you didn't see his picture of him with a beard. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Wow! He's sitting at he's eating lunch with Billy D. Williams. Is he talking about the movie? No, probably not. Wow! Until I see uh, Don Glover holding uh, some malt forty-five. Cold 45. Cold 45. God damn it. Well, it's a malt beverage. I threw myself off. I'm sorry. What if it's all a big ruse? He's not playing Lando, but he's playing the black man with the ice cream maker running around Cloud City. Oh, that would be amazing. Whoa. That would be fucking amazing. Crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be fantastic. Why, don't, why, not just, why not just get Danny Glover to play a young Lando? <laughs> why not? I mean, really. <laughs> Uh, for the record, we know that they are not related. A lot of people. Oh yeah, a lot of people do think that they are. I'll, I'll be on. I'll be uh, honest and say, like at the very, very, very early in Donald Glover's career, when he was first on Community, I made that assumption. But that's just because everyone in acting. Let me rephrase that. Everyone in Hollywood is in Hollywood now because someone else they're related to is in Hollywood. Yeah. So when I saw Glover, Glover, I did make that initial mistake. I was a fan of Donald Glover back from Dare Comedy, so. I knew that that was not an issue. Community was my first exposure to Donald. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, a, a bro rape guy is playing Lando. Cool. Fuck yeah, bro rape guy. Bro rape guys in uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Bro rape guys playing Simba. Cool. Hey, good for Great. him. Good. You know, hey, no. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I don't care. I just don't. I just. I just don't like seeing the same actors and everything, cast and everything. I just uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Hellboy three is officially uh, not coming. It's dead, completely dead, not happening at all. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, it sounds like a mixture of studio and I, from what I'm gathering, also somewhat Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy. Mm-hmm. I think some of it he was kind of mad. I mean, I think he wasn't quite happy with the films to some respect, and then he was also kind of peeved at the way Guillermo del Toro. Did his old like Twitter stunt a couple weeks back, mm-hmm. which I mean I don't know. I, I it's kind of it does suck because I think uh, I think Ron Perlman was perfect for the role, and the f- two films that Guillermo del Toro made were amazing, mm-hmm. especially uh, the second film. That was really good. It sucks see, when I read a third see, one. I really, really, really like the second film, but it's also like so not a Hellboy film. So I can see why uh, Mike himself would be disappointed with it. Yeah, no, totally. To- it's totally fair in that regard. It's definitely a Del Toro film. Yes, absolutely. The fucking scene of Abe and Hellboy just fucking, like, complaining about women as they drink. Very much not those characters. <laughs> but I also didn't care that much because the movie's still good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that sucks. Uh, hopefully Ron Perlman can get that cable role. Or Stephen Lang. 
or Dolph. I hate all my, these fucking awesome actors. I'm all wanting. I'm wanting all of them to play Cable. So maybe we could have like that Doctor Parnassus's thing they did with Heath Ledger when he died. They'll have like you know uh, what was it Jude Law and Johnny Depp play the play and play him as well. Oh, that'd be fantastic. We'll do that. With, we'll do that with Cable. Cable will be played by five different actors. Timeline keeps changing. <laughs> that'd be incredible. It would be fucking amazing. They uh, so that, that's though. that. Uh, there was a third Power Rangers trailer. It was a minute long. Not a whole lot in it. I think it does. It's kinda... mostly the same as the second one with a few extra shots. I think it might be calling into question the theory that uh, Trini's mother is Rita, but at the same time, everything from the previous trailer still makes me think that Trini's mom is Rita. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's not the same actress. So we'll wait and see. There's some new. I saw some newer posters here that look terrible. Uh, that's the that's the update on the Power Rangers movie. Yeah, gotta got have something new every episode. Every episode. Uh, hopefully, uh, Bill and I can meet up in person. And then we can go see the Power Rangers in the theater and take a microphone into the theater with us. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> Just give her this in the back of the theater and give her a live commentary. I mean, well, by the time we'd be seeing it, it'd be like the third week. No one's going to be fucking there anyways. Exactly. We'll go at like a 10, 10 o'clock in the morning show. <laughs> no one's here. We'll just sit and have our microphones and be like, what? what is this? Real talk, while it's possible, I don't think anyone will actually hear our commentary over the loud fucking theater audio. Well, just tell them to turn... No, we'll go... Uh, does your theaters do the autism screenings? I mean, I can find out. Where the, the it's, uh, lights up, uh, sound down? I should. I, I'll ask. They do that at my theaters. Hi, it's excuse totally... me, sir. I am autistic. Uh, could I please get an autism screening? I'm, I'm sure one of us is on the spectrum. I'm sure. <laughs> We were both vaccinated, so clearly we have autism. Well, yeah, I got all the vaccines. I'm we have a movie podcast. Of course, we're autistic. Mega autistic. Uh, did you? Uh, excuse me. Uh, did you see in this movie uh, the drapery hero is not correct? I don't think that. I don't think that's how an autistic movie uh, fan sounds like. That just sounds like an asshole. <laughs> it just sounds like an asshole. Uh, so Power Rangers. Um, so yeah. looks like shit. Still, like, just, I don't know why I Power Rangers update. Different. You know, we, we ran out of uh, Ghostbusters updates, so we had to start doing Power Rangers. We had to shift over to Power Rangers for the last couple of years. Power Rangers is going to be out in like a month. What's next? Jesus, I don't even know. Uh, I guess, I mean, I, I don't really care about the raid. I mean, I think it's unnecessary for the remake, but I don't know. Yeah. We can, can start obsessing over Avengers Infinity War news. And we can, but like. The billion-dollar movie. Yeah, but while we're not the biggest fans of the MCU, we also don't hate it or question why something ex- something exists. Like, I get why Infinity War's coming out, and I also get why it's costing so much. I think it's dumb, but it's not like Ghostbusters or Power yeah. Rangers, where I, I hate everything that I see. I can't justify the cost of those. Well, we'll, we'll, do, we'll just go back in time. We'll go back. We'll like start looking all the all like the. You know, uh, um, all the news magazines and everything from, like, 1993. Find a movie back then and just start weekly updates about what news is going on with some film that looks terrible. <laughs> Did you see this fucking Waterworld movie? <laughs> I don't know, Bill. I think it looks really cool. I think it's going to be a big hit. Uh, <laughs> it's got Dennis Hopper in it. How can you fail? How can it fail? Fun fact, Waterworld it didn't, like, bomb. It just cost so much fucking money It to cost make. so much that it didn't make money. It's, it's like it says, like made a lot of money, just not enough. A lot of money. <laughs> uh, speaking of films that 
Ah, probably didn't make enough money considering what their budget probably was. Uh, we're on the final film of Black History Month, the final Rudy Ray Moore film for this month. Uh, it's been a long road the last couple weeks. Not nearly as bad as some of the other roads we've traveled before when it came to Puppet Master or the Toxic Avenger. This time, I think it's gone much better. By comparison, for sure. By comparison, for sure. Uh, so, of course, we're talking about the Disco Godfather from 1979. According to this rated R, but on the DVD, like on the the MPAA rating before the film, it is absolutely rated PG. <laughs> Maybe so, it was PG, and then when it was re-released on DVD, they had to get another MPAA rating. I mean, that, that's that's surprising that uh, Xenon Pictures would actually pay for that. I agree. It makes no sense. I don't understand. I mean, I'm looking at. I don't know. Man, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at photo post. The posters say rated R, but I swear to God, it said PG like on the card, like a rating card before the movie started. Yes, the trailer also says PG. Okay, so I'm not alone. It'd be so funny if they, they made the trailer, did all this stuff, and then uh, yep. What, I mean, we got an R rating? Fuck, we'll keep that PG rating in front of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's like, I'm just looking at it like, why? Wow. Because yeah, as we discussed this film, I'm confused. But so, uh, Disco Godfather, now I am kind of sick and tired of reading like huge paragraph long IMDb uh, descriptions. Fair. Uh, but I have the DVD right in front of me, so I'm just going to read the back of this. Okay. Rudy Ray Moore is Tucker Williams, the rapping owner and main attraction of the Blueberry Hill Disco. An ex-cop with a penchant for head-whacking martial arts, Tucker is called back into action when his nephew, played by Julius J. Carey III, gets hooked on angel dust. I'm going to say dust, because that's how I say in the movie. Aided by the cool sensibilities of his gal Friday, Noel Carol Speed, from The Mac and Abbey, Tucker declares war on Stinger Ray, played by James H. Hawthorne, the nation's leading angel dust producer. But as the war progresses, Tucker learns that Stinger and his goons are as deadly as the drugs they push. Directed by J. Robert Wagoner. Okay. Written by Cliff Rogmore. Uh, or, I'm going to say, sorry, sorry, I said before, Rockmore, probably. Uh, yeah, it's probably Rockmore. Uh, who who directed uh, previous Rudy Ray films. Ah, uh, so Steve... What did you think of Disco Godfather? Uh, where is Bucky and what has he had? Where is Bucky? What has he had? Uh, this movie was a lot of fun. I uh, I will say right up front, this is my favorite. I uh, It's a toss-up between the original Dolomite and this one for me. It is, but for different reasons. I agree. I agree. Um, don't, I think don't, this... don't worry, it's a fun film. This film is a dark fucking film. Oh, it's dark! Uh, please don't... By fun, I don't mean it is a romp comedy. <laughs> um, but it's uh, a lot better made. I feel mm-hmm. like they actually cared about the plot of doing something that actually mattered in this film. Uh, it's still got some jokes, obviously. Still got some humor. Of course. Both intended and unintended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Rene Moore in a blue disco suit... Unintended. Hilarity. Oh, God. When he first shows up dancing around. I lost that, my shit. That disco suit that's opened down to, like, his navel. <laughs> He's still in decent shape. He's more like uh, P.D. Wheatstraw shape as opposed to human yeah, tornado shape. a lot of times I see people talking about, like, oh, he's out of weight, black guy, just in a disco suit. I'm like, look at him. No, he's pretty fit compared to, you know, previous films. So still really compared to Do- Dolomite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's some pretty good. I think he's a pretty, pretty, like, he's not, like, fat. He's, like, thick. He's, like, a thick shape. Yeah, he's a thick guy, but he's definitely not like he was in Dolomite or Human Tornado. No. Actresses are literally making fun of how fat he is on no. screen. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, 
it's it's a solid movie. I thought the pacing was good. I thought the story was actually interesting. Like you said, it actually gets pretty fucking dark, which I didn't expect Rudy Ray to ever take himself seriously in any sense. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest pluses for this film is how I guess real and dark it is. Like if I, when I think of elements of what a like a true black exploitation film should be, I think this one hits all the points. Mm-hmm. Where you have an actual actual issue going on in a community, and you have actual it feels like actual characters, not caricatures. Yes, doing things and trying to solve issues and stuff, and actually have some sort of a message to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this time around, it's it's. There's some issues of pacing, but we'll we'll talk about that more when we get to more some more negative stuff. Yeah, I mean a couple but, of places here and there. But. but overall, it's a it's a speedy you know 93 minutes. Yes, it, it gets it gets the job done. I always feel it does not it's not uh, bloated with extra plot lines that don't matter like no. the previous three films. No, not at all. This one is very concise in what it's aiming to do, mm-hmm. and I, I like that. And I mean, just again, like like Rudy Moore, like he's actually a pretty good actor in this movie, and he's good in this one. He is yeah. really good, and not ironically good, but good. Yeah, like, he actually is showing, like, legit emotion. Like, there's no, like, wink and a nod stylings to this film. It's like, when Bucky is ODing and stuff, like, he's legitimately concerned. I mean, as, as silly as the line of, where's Bucky? What has he had? Like, in retrospect, some of, like, the, like, after-school special, like, m- drug messages of this film is kind of silly, but... There's other times in the film where he's like, oh, gee, uh, there's a pretty dark scene in, in later in the film uh, where a dog, a dog, and a uh, someone who's a mentor to um, uh, Tucker in this film is, is murdered, and he's like, like a legit, like upset, in tears. And, like, all this other stuff. It's like it's not, it's no, we, we're far gone from Queen Bee's so Dolomite. I'm so happy. Yeah, we got actual like emotion and range coming out of Rudy Ray this time around. Mm-hmm. I mean. Even the uh, fight choreography is a lot better this time. A lot better, because sometimes they limit it. It's not too far uh, far out there. He's he's not he's doing some of his like his martial art poses, but he's, he's dropped the whole and like stupid like he's Bruce not Lee jumping crap. and spinning into the air to no, no. go up nine feet just to jump back down. Yeah, attack some dudes. No, yeah, we're, we're gone with that. I mean, I yeah, I got a lot in yeah, just the wardrobe. This wardrobe now, because this film is in 79, is very disco. Very disco. Yeah, leisure shoots fucking galore, big hats, just ridiculous outfits, ridiculous outfits, uh, roller skating, uh, just everything going on here. This is, I mean, they they did not undersell the disco godfather. Nope. It's a funny name, though, because very little of what he does has to do with disco. <laughs> very little. But hey, the opening. Oh, I would say, like, when it comes to the opening credits and title stuff for these films, this is probably the best one. Yeah, for sure. Because it's got, like, you know, a lot of, like, you know, nice, I mean, as far as filmmaking goes, too, apart from acting from everyone in the film, the filmmaking is also very good this time around. Oh, yeah. It's a solid cinematography. I actually like the editing. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's nothing weird going on. (laughs) So when you get to, this is, I haven't got a chance to vigorous, um, Vinegar Syndrome uh, did put this out on Blu-ray recently. I need to pick it up because this is obviously my favorite one in the film series. Mm-hmm. I, I think this would look really good and all cleaned up, as opposed to like a lot of the uh, copies online and all the places are from these the Xenon DVD releases, which were full frame and kind of yeah. beat up. Yeah, I definitely uh, but, I saw the DVD release for sure. Yeah, ex- most people have. Um, so when it's like the opening titles are over the club scene with a lot of people dancing, the music's pretty good and funky. It moves along pretty well. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a lot better than the previous ones where it's just a lot of weird shit going on or all the there's time. No, there's no like overweight Rudy Ray Moore walking around with like this big cape saying, 
Rudy Ray Moore as Dolomite and all this other weird shit that was going on beforehand. <laughs> I like that. So it's like, and then, you know, so it's just a lot more stuff going on and visually it looks nice. So it's a little more engaging than what we've previously Absolutely, had. Absolutely, yes. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, the, yeah, all the, all the disco scenes were pretty great. And, uh, yeah, dancing, dancing Rudy Ray Moore in that baby blue suit. It's pretty good. It's great. It's nice to see Rudy Ray not playing a pimp. Isn't you, you know what? You're totally right. It is so nice to see him not be a pimp. I didn't even come to that conclusion on my own. Yeah, because in this film, he's like we send the, the uh, synopsis his next cop. Yeah, happened to open this disco club and all sort of stuff, and he just plays a cool, good dude. He's not, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't dress like a pimp anymore. He doesn't you know have to be not inundated with like random women who happen to know martial arts. Like there's so many things that happened in the previous three films. There aren't in this film. It's man. It's it's this really. This is enjoyable. a very straightforward film in a yes. good way. Yeah, and uh, going off to like, there's not so much of a big ensemble cast this time around because it really really focuses mostly on Tucker, um, the character Rudy Ray's playing more than uh, more than people around him a lot. Now this is obviously uh, the debut film for Julius J. Carey the third. Yes, uh, who played uh, Shonuff in Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also really good in this. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't do a ton because uh, he's the main catalyst for this film when he's off doing PCP or Angel Dust. Angel Dust. He is absent from this film when people are pronouncing the name Angel <laughs> Dust. Uh, but you know, so but he's again the catalyst, or he takes it. He's having a major o- o- overdose on it and freaking out, and he's in like a hospital with all these other people who are. Have, Jesus Christ! Uh, they don't they don't pull any punches. Now it can be kind of seen rather silly, like these people who are you know, suffering from all this stuff. But like the story is like one woman is there because she put her put a baby in the oven and roasted it. And... It served it for dinner. Yeah, I mean, and it, before this, because we also see like uh, as far as this film goes, when it comes to showing the drug freakouts, pretty good. That when I first watched this film, I was blown away because I I got off, just gone off of watching all the other films. So I got to this one, I was like not expecting it to be this dark. Mm-hmm. And, like, this, like, really real, like, in that regard, where it's, like, you're, these drug freakouts are, like, horror film level. They're terrifying. Yeah, they are. They're showing uh, uh, Bucky, like... <laughs> hand getting playing, cut off. Oh, yeah. How can I play? How come I have no hand? And, like, they're seeing all these, like, whacked out, terrifying images. And the way they're shot is also right out of a horror film. Mm-hmm. Like, any sort of, like, nightmare terrifying sequence. Like, like uh, J. Robert uh, Wagoner could have totally, like, directed a Nightmare on Elm Street film if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's some really, like, trippy uh, bits going on there that are very uh, psychological. And oh, yeah, awesome. very psychological and trippy. Yeah, just... Uh, later in the film, when, when Tucker is, is affected with the PCP... Uh, he's like thinking, seeing his mother, his mother's like oh, drinking and like cackling and it's just terrifying. And they, both, everyone keeps seeing like this weird, like witch woman and like yeah, all their, the witch their woman. freakouts, like just coming at them with like a machete and all this stuff. Mm. And so that's crazy. She is Angel Dust. Angel Dust. Dust. With three S's. Uh, so, uh, kind of, yeah, the gist of the film is, again, Tucker coming back on the case, trying to bust this fucking ring of angel dust, this whack that is affecting the community. So whack. But, but Tucker, I sell drugs to the community. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, um, because I saw Dolomite, and then I saw Black Dynamite, Mm -hmm. um, but I had not seen the Human Tornado 
uh, less so P.D. Wheatstraw or Disco, Disco Godfather. And, like, obviously, I, I knew that Black Dynamite was kind of like a parody of black exploitation, but also more specifically a parody of Dolomite. Mm-hmm. But I did not realize how much Black Dynamite is basically just Rudy Raymore's first four movies in 90 minutes. Yeah, with a few a extra things added in. Like, there's so many lines from all of these movies mm-hmm. um, that I didn't realize it went that far. Yeah. And that was a, that was an interesting surprise to me. Like, the entire drug storyline from this is the main plotline of Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and obviously, it's, like, definitely poking fun at a lot of the absurdity. Again, we'll repeat this line, because it's just, it's repeated a lot in the film. It's like... Where is Bucky? What has he had? What has he had? That, that line comes up multiple times. God, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I will laugh, obviously, because in retrospect, some of the lines are rather silly, but the film is taking itself very seriously. Yes. I Again, clear there's a few We're... jokes, but the film takes itself seriously, and that's what I respect about it. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things, because there's obviously, like, it's almost as if they were just literally filming a drug rally, like an anti-drug <laughs> rally. Yeah, and, and again, a ghetto area. And I, my favorite—it was really funny because there wasn't a clear flub. Uh, the the actress doing leading the you know the um, the speech and everything says she definitely says whack the attack. Yes, instead of attack the whack. I thought that was funny. It's almost like clear like they, they can only do this in one take. So she she it's like she realizes <laughs> she flubbed and she has to keep going with it. Yeah, and stuff like that. Fuck it, gotta go, gotta keep going to the yo cut. <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta keep going. Uh, so I mean, kind of got most of the plot down so do you want to jump around on any like specific positives or specific scenes from the film that really stood out to you and that you really enjoyed i mean as we said the fighting is honestly a lot better like legitimately mm-hmm. better it's not mind-blowing but uh compared to what we have been seeing it's really solid decent choreography rudy understands his limits i feel in this film mm-hmm. um lots of scenes that i really enjoy little stuff um too many for me to just like name exactly a fan, but, like, when fucking Tucker just blows the angel dust all over the fucking floor in the, uh, rich drug dealer's place. Mm-hmm. Fucking hilarious. He's just like, oh, excuse me, as if it's, he sneezed, but he so obviously did not that it's such a middle finger moment that I really loved it as a character moment. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, too. There's tons of good little moments like that. The concept of hooking him up to a gas mask... To pump him full of angel dust is fucking insane and hilarious. Oh yeah, um, and also the cowboy scene with the whip. Oh, yeah, the the like, this is like almost like Hitman trying to get uh, get Tucker. Yeah, the whip is like oh, yeah, I get off on this. Like he's like, are oh, you whipping black people? <laughs> seems very guns. seems very spot on here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're you know we're far away from Petey Weedstraw and Human Tornado when it came to racist caricatures. I'll handle weird cowboy bounty hunter. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. And I liked it, but it is weird. What I get to me about that is some of the violence in this film. Oh, my God, like, my favorite fucking scene of violence is when he apparently, like, gouges someone's eyes out and every single cut back to Rudy just screaming. Yeah. Made me lose my fucking mind. Well, there's, a, there's an amazing part of that fight scene when he's going in to confront Hawthorne in his big angel dust uh, distribution center. But before that, like, uh, when the guys from the telephone company are tapping his line and doing all this stuff... He, like, punches one guy, and his face is, like, inside, like, gore. Like, red all over his oh, face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. And now, now, when I first noticed this when it came to the fight scenes, obviously, 
uh, their Rudy knows his limits, and they're a bit bit, bit better choreographed, but also they're shot better. Shot so the camera's better. a little closer. There's a bit tighter cuts. There's yeah, there's more actual cuts instead of just wide fucking shots of Rudy Ray painting up three separate people in different locations. Yeah, with some major air kicks. This one's in tight. It's behind him. It's it looked it looked much better, and it helped actually in the end. It also helped the action flow better. So it was a very short, like maybe thirty second fight scene, but it felt like it had more impact and more you know, more going on there. Yeah, for the scene that I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's so funny because the guys like knock him out, but then just run out. It's like oh, you could uh, could, you could kill him or something. Like, mm-hmm. But no, nope, you're nope. They hired you just to tap the phone line, so <laughs> we're not gonna not gonna touch Tucker this time around. Uh, but we hit we hit a lot of the usual stuff when a cop comes back on the beat. Of course, there's a crooked cop selling everyone out, mm-hmm. which fuck Jesus Christ that ends darkly too. Yes, it does. Like they they find out one of the cops and, and uh, Tucker's old unit is is in Hawthorne's pocket. So when they bust him on it, he, he just goes and kills himself yep. like in a bathtub and everything. It's like Jesus. Well, I got found out. I guess it's time to kill myself. Oh yeah, it's like even even Hawthorne, the villain, is again a very classic like drug dealer character where he's like in the public eye trying to help everything, but behind scenes he's secretly, you know, pumping out like tons and tons of angel dust from people. Oh yeah, and doing all this stuff and like there's such great little things like this movie. Sometimes like sometimes it can be kind of silly just on how like over serious it is with some lines, but like the plot stuff like when he finds out he's like. oh. Did he squeal before he died? And he's like quickly had to rush there and try to destroy all the evidence. And there's all these things going on. And a lot of things that just really it stuck out to me. I liked a lot. Like it felt, felt really appropriate. It felt like a legit film, not like a semi silly comedy like earlier Rudy uh, Ray films were. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why this film is like my favorite in so many regards because it it was a serious effort, and I think they actually produced something worthwhile. Yeah, like they actually produced a good film, a good. A solid, you know, black exploitation genre film. I agree completely. Where you know, black heroes kicking ass, taking names, trying to help the community, help people, revenge. Uh, you know what happened to his nephew. This is not tongue in cheek. No, it's it's very serious and dealing with serious stuff. And then, like this we is said not before, Bucky died, and then that's the only time you ever hear about Bucky. Oh God! Like in the previous films, like someone's like I. P.D. Weedstraw is the closest to someone's brother or nephew or cousin or someone dying, and then that actually being taken seriously yeah <laughs> this time around like bucky doesn't die bucky gets better in, in the end of the film and all this stuff it's like just the pure slight of them like giving him these drugs and potentially killing him and all this other whacked out shit mm-hmm. just uh it, you know it's actually taken seriously and you know it, again is the main focus of the film and why tucker is coming back and trying to clean all the city up right uh and wrapping up the pauses where we get some more negatives the film uh, the ending. Yeah, I love Angel Dust Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he gets pumped with Angel Dust. He, like, goes to kill a man. And I, what I really like is that there's always this kind of thing w- with Angel Dust and PCP that, you know, like, you become, like, invulnerable. You can't feel pain and all this stuff. All these, like, superhuman type things like, that have been known for people to do when they're hopped up on the shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're going back to that. He's, like, going to break some guy's neck with his feet. But at the same time, he's, like, hallucinating the guys at the doorway. He's trying to get him to take this gas mask off where he's being pumped full of it. Yeah. And all this other stuff. And, like, he's flipping out. He's seeing things, you know, stuff. He grabs, uh, like, he thinks it's a demon. He actually is grabbing Hawthorne and choking him out and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. having a legit, like, freak out. And what I like about it is, like, the end of the film it ends on him, like, screaming mad out of control. Let me go in. Nothing wrong with me. Yeah, and it's like, it's a very dark ending. 
Yeah, it's very dark. Where, where your hero from this film is like, just, co- you know, uh, drugged out of his mind going insane. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if he's going to be good or if he's going to be fucked or whatever. It's like, there's no like resolution where he's at the end of the film. like, oh man, thank you, Tucker, for ridding the neighborhood of PCP and Angel Dust. You it's got like, it, nope. fool. It's just, nope, he's just screaming madness while Bucky and people are trying to help him out and try to figure out if he's okay. Yeah. And then, boom, cut to credits. Mm-hmm. It's the first time when one of the films discuss the credits that feels very appropriate. Yeah, And, and not sudden and out of nowhere. Sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's just this, this really, really screaming and then, like, terrifying. It's like, oh my god. Like, again, like, you can have a film of someone just trying to rid the community of, of drugs and try to save people and not do the fucking things they did in this film. Right, absolutely. And, and it, but the, but the, their willingness to go to really dark places and, and treat treat the whole angel dust and PCP situation very seriously mm-hmm. is very commendable. Absolutely. I mean, even the scenes where uh, this is like kind of a subplot: how one of the women at the at the hospital, uh, where the doctor there is played by the guy who's played uh, same actor who played the cop and Human Tornado and Dolomite. So there's a lot of reoccurring actors in these films, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like how they're going to start, they're going to try to pray that she gets better and all this stuff. Even those scenes, like they're walking around her bed praying, but you're seeing her point of view, where everything is like in black and reds and very terrifying and very uh, psychedelic. Yeah. Like, the whole bit where the priest's, like, putting holy water's hands. Like, the way it's shot, it's, like, just so, like, terrifying. And, it really is. And fearful. It's, 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 man, like I said, I cannot get enough of how well this film is shot, how creative they are with these drug freakout scenes. Very, very creative. They... It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> just put it, yeah, it is, it's a very good film. I think it's a great way to end this month. Mm-hmm. A lot better than uh, Citizen Toxie was. Oh, yeah. A lot better. <laughs> uh, so, uh, some negatives. Always, always some of those. Uh, there's a lot of dancing scenes. Well, it's a disco godfather, Bill. I don't know what you expected. Yeah, this time around, instead of having Rudy Ray do his stand-up, we just get scenes of people dancing. Yeah, it's... Honestly, by comparison, it's better. It is compared <laughs> It is because it's also shorter. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the main reason why it's better. So I'll have these little bits. And then there's also like uh, you know a, a montage scene of him going around to talking to drug dealers and stuff. That's not too bad. But it's like funny because like, there's one scene where people showing up. It's like, oh, you think you're good enough for the disco squad? Mm-hmm. And then it, it, mostly it's about him, uh, Tucker, giving a, a news reporter some info, you know, a, a, an interview. And that goes in the news about how he's coming after all those drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And such. Uh, no, this, oh shit, I forgot. This is a negative. This is like a hilarious, like one of those moments of like good bad films where it's just fucking hilarious. So when Tucker is outside of the drug uh, the drug distributors uh, like Hawthorne's place, he's fighting these guys. A random dude in like a blue jumpsuit just happens to walk up. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" <sighs> and and Tucker's like, "These guys are selling angel ducks, angel uh, angel duck, ducks, angel dust." And the guy's like, "Well, let's kick some ass then." And he's throwing okay. and starts beating up dudes with, with, with Tucker. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that scene. So fucking funny. And it's so funny because then when he... When Tucker's going to go in to take on everything, he's like, I'll see you later, Harold. It's like, what? So when did you exchange names? How did you know this guy's name? Well, you, you immediately know someone's name if you team up to beat the shit out of drug dealers. It's just so funny. Random guy. Hey, what's going on here? These guys are selling angel dust. Let's kick their ass. <laughs> Then Kung Fu <laughs> and then that's Doomsday every shows Tuesday up. to me. Oh my god, you're right. Then Doomsday shows up. 
Yep. And Batman just watches from a distance as Dolomite and Harold. Uh, his name is Tucker, Steve. No, the it, the guy that helped Tucker wasn't. No, his name is Harold. You said Harold and Dolomite. I'm sorry. Uh, this is Tucker. I fucked up. Tucker Tucker is not a pimp. He is an ex cop who, who runs the Blueberry Hill Disco. You're right. I'm sorry. Put your weight on it. <laughs> Put your weight on it. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, really get into that dance. Even little scenes, like when when, the, when uh, Bucky's girlfriend comes and screaming, he's like, they're walking out, and the, like the DJ, they even had like a little touch of the DJ saying, "Hey, everybody, it's okay. Let's get back to dancing, having a good time." Just little, little scenes like that, like ah, so. But, but yeah, like the the pacing only is rough in the scenes where it has to keep cutting to little dance dance segments, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden we have to see a bunch of people doing roller skating and doing roller disco stuff. Which that's the only that's the only downside. Maybe, maybe you could probably cut this film down to make maybe eight, eighty minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe ninety three is a little long. That's probably my own complaint of it. But I mean, the last thirty is when he's really confronting everybody, and you're getting then you're getting into the, like the fight scenes are pretty good in that regard. He's like you said, he's gouging fucking people's eyes out mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then of course the last ten minutes of the film is the PCP freak out, which is yes, fantastic. And I think that about wraps it up. It's a rather a brisk episode today, but I'm not sure if there's any other key points and things I want to point out. Besides the fact, this film is very PG. There's tons of blood. There's tons of shits. There's tons of fucks. Uh, we did... Oh, there was not a sex scene this time around. That was a plus. No, he woke up in bed with a woman. Yeah, and it's just a, hey, let's have some fun. They kiss and it's that. That's it. There's no gratuitous Rudy Ray ass dick. There's not really any, like, nudity in this film either. I know, right? Yeah. Which is why I think the PG is right, and I don't know why it has the rated R now. I mean, the language is the only thing giving it the R rating, probably, and some of the violence. Yeah, probably. But hell, I've seen way worse violence in the fucking Planet of the Apes films and Jaws. All that other stuff. So I think that... Maybe we'll wrap it up, unless you have any other final thoughts on uh, Disco Godfather. I mean, not really. It's It's a good movie. There's not that much to talk about. Yeah, it's always funny. It's always hard to be lengthy and stuff about good films. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like This film's kind of simplistic to me, so obviously we can talk lengthier about other good films, but like the other previous films weren't, weren't the best, so we could talk for a good while about it. Right, them, right. Disco Godfather is brisk. I mean, I highly recommend it. Definitely check it out. I think of the uh, four films, hands down, you have to see Dolomite, you have to see Disco Godfather. Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, watch, Dis- watch Dolomite, watch Disco Godfather. I, I really... Think you can skip Human Tornado and PD Weed Straw? I know a lot of people that like Human Tornado, um, so maybe if you if you like these two, give Human Tornado a try. Mm-hmm. But I never never look at PD Weed Straw's direction. Yeah, I like I said before when we watched those, I kind of to wrap up the entire series at the end of the month here. Uh, originally, I did not care for Human Tornado, PD Weed Straw, but after rewatching them, I rather I did enjoy them a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I, if, I mean, there's only so much time in a day, so if you can only pick a couple films to watch or to check out, again, just stole my Disco Godfather. You, you, you are not missing anything by not seeing Human Tornado or PD Weed Straw. Yeah, that's fair. So, but like later, if you go, if you want to see other black exploitation films, like you've seen tons of other stuff, and you're really trying to start digging deep and scraping the barrel to try to find some other stuff, yeah, then mm-hmm. go back and see it. But if you haven't seen stuff like uh, any uh, a Boss Nigger starring uh, Fred Williamson, or if you haven't seen Again, any other Fred Williamson black exploitation films from the series at the mm. time, uh, or any uh, um, uh, Jim Kelly films like uh, Black Samurai or Black Belt Jones. I mean, there's tons of other great black exploitation films you can check out before 
the human tornado or peewee straw. Right, absolutely. That that's where my stance on it. Is. I, but, I agree with that. Yeah. But of course, if you watch these two and you really think you really love it, you want more of it, go check them out. So uh, let's do our uh, star ratings on Disco Godfather. I'd give Disco Godfather a four. I too is also a solid four, which is the same score I gave Dolomite, and they get their scores for both different reasons. Dolomite because it's a charming, good, bad film. Disco Godfather because it is a legitimate, good, awesome film mm-hmm. that I definitely recommend checking out. Uh, so that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, as always, you can email us at moviefilmswithbillandsteve at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you thought. Hey, if you if you have some sick black exploitation films you've seen that we might not have, uh, give it, shoot, shoot us up. I love black exploitation. My favorite subgenre of exploitation. Uh, you can, of course, uh, find all of our episodes at moviefilmswithbillandsteve.tumblr.com. They are there. It is very convenient. Very convenient. Uh, oh, so convenient. I mean, it's the most convenient. It's going to be Huge. Huge. Huge, I guarantee it. Other other podcasts are not convenient. You have to try to find them only through their website. Sad. <laughs> oh, right on point. Sad. The sad always gets me. Anytime I read anybody making kind of a Trump tweet, it's the sad. The sad, sad period at the end always gets me. Always gets me. Uh, uh, that's it for political talk. Uh, we were also on the usual three places. iTunes, check us out. Give us a subscribe. Give us a five-star review. That'd be so nice of you. He's just a nice guy if you do that. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Give us a like. Leave a post. Let us know. If some, I mean, we still have some empty spots this year. We, have some, we need some movie ideas. So why don't you get on there suggest some films. That'd be awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, you're on Stitcher. As far as I know, I've not found out if we're not. <laughs> Let us know if you're using Stitcher. That'd be great. You can find us on our website or on their mobile app. Uh, I, I sometimes say this. I want to remind you. There is a contact page on the Tumblr where there's a link to all this stuff for very ease and convenience. So check that out. And as always, I am on Twitter at LovableBill. And you can check out my film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. Still pushing the Karis Hell, KarisHell.com. Uh, Going to be talking to a company to get picked up for distribution probably within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think it'll go well, but we'll see. And if you want to check me out uh, wearing spandex, making children's dreams come true, that is Facebook.com slash TheAmazingSpiderSteve. Oh, fantastic. Uh, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. It keeps pounding, pounding, pounding my brain. Shit!